Comic Book Tales is an immersive comic book experience for the new or lapsed comic book fan. I take a closer look at the comics that shaped my childhood and influenced my adulthood. Comic books are an amazing entry into another world and even provide the pictures to complete the fantasy. Join me for a new Comic Book Tales adventure. Hello and welcome to another issue of Comic Book Tales. Today we're going to explore a topic that probably seems a little out of date, and that's the Comic Code Authority. And if you're not familiar with that, that's why we're here. We're here to help you understand the history of comic books as well as why they're so important to today's culture. And the Comic Book Code, I'm sorry, Comic Code Authority, let me get the right, CCA, uh, came about through a lot of um, consternation in the late 40s, uh, late 1940s, early 1950s. So let's, let's do a little history of the United States at that time to help you understand why the Comics Code Authority even existed. So at the end of World War II, superhero comics for the most part, with the exception mostly of uh, Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman to a lesser extent, really had died off uh, with the children. Uh, they it stopped being read as much, and they still existed, but they they weren't as well selling as they uh, had previously been. Most of Marvel's stuff, and it was timely at the time, was not really selling, and a lot of those books were canceled. Captain America and the Invaders was canceled after the war. People kind of lost focus with uh, superheroes, and they were on to other things. If you look at the history of the United States at that time, there was a big, big deal with uh, westerns in the early 1950s, late 1940s, uh, romance. Um, soap operas had begun to really take take focus, and a lot of the comic book industry shifted their focus. And Martin Goodman was no different with Timely, later Marvel Comics. Uh, they went into horror comics. They went into crime comics, and I don't mean uh, horror and crime in the sense that we think of it today. I mean very gruesome, very visually. Uh, representative of sick individuals because that's what sold and that's what people wanted to to read. So that's what was was created. Uh, there was no overriding authority as to what you could put in. If you could publish it or if you could write it, color it, draw it, and somebody would publish it, you could sell it. And that's pretty much how it went. You didn't really have any restrictions on what you could do other than whatever the uh, the, the sales market would, would bear. So it, in that sense, there was some, some controversy. Uh, EC Comics and their publisher, William Gaines, was really at the forefront of this. He published a lot of um, <laughs> what might be considered gross or horrific images and comics. And he was very non-repentant. I sold it because that's what people wanted. That's what I liked. So that's what he, that's what he wrote about. Uh, that's what he published. That's what he drew. That's what he was involved in. So it was a little, it was a little icky. And if you remember some of the stuff in the fifties, it was in that genre of uh, schlock, but much more uh, visual. Uh, so it, it was, it was becoming, I don't know, a little untasteful for some people. So in nineteen, in the early nineteen fifties, there was a movement by Congress to discuss juvenile delinquency. Now I want you to think about that for a moment. A, a congressional committee to discuss juvenile delinquency. It, it seems it seems absurd at this point in time, but at that time that was concerns for the people. Uh, I can't imagine today somebody calling a conference on juvenile delinquency in Congress and and not being laughed at 
because there's so many more important things that need to be happening. But this was a time when there was a mother and a father in the home, and the children there was children that, and grew up with both mother and father, and that was important. Uh, I don't diminish, diminish it because I think it is important, but it's something it seems hard to believe in today's day and age that that was a congressional committee. So there was a, a, a figure named Frederick uh, Wortham. He was a psychiatrist in New York, and he had this hatred of comic books. Uh, he hated everything about comic books. He really didn't want them published at all. He thought they were a moral outrage. Basically, from the late 1940s on, he was railing against comic books, and he was actually called before the Senate, uh, the, the Congressional Committee, to discuss this. And he basically laid out the comic book industry. I mean, it, he he pretty much uh, flayed them alive, and it, it was it, it's hard to believe that one man could could create such a thing. But if you look back in the 1980s, Tipper Gore getting the um, Congressional Committee with her husband to basically rate music and have um, warning labels placed on music. It's the same type of thing. Uh, this was an individual who didn't like what the industry had was putting out. Didn't much care for superheroes either, so it wasn't like he was he was anti horror and crime. He was against everything uh, the comic book industry stood for. And there was a there was a movement at the time who felt like uh, children were reading comic books, but they weren't reading true literature. So, yes, they were reading words, but they were becoming illiterate from a uh, literature standpoint, and therefore it needed to be abolished. And at this time, about 90% of both boys and girls were reading some form of comic books. So it was quite pervasive in the industry at that time that you were pretty much touching almost all the children in the country. So in 1954, the... Comics Code Authority was put together by the Comic Magazine Association of America as a self-regulating group. They had tried something earlier in the late 40s, but it, it, it fizzled because it hadn't really been um, assigned by anybody, and they just it kind of went away. So in 1954, they put this together in September of 1954, and the Comics Code Authority was born. And to get the Comics Code Authority, you had to adhere to a set of guidelines, and I'll review the guidelines, uh, the original guidelines. And you could put a code, a stamp on your your magazine. Everything had to be reviewed by an independent third-party person not associated with any of the publishers. And to be sold in stores, you had to have the Comic Code Authority stamp on your book. So that's how it worked. So if you didn't have that, you didn't have a, have a comic book. Uh, so what were the criteria? And this is the... 1954 code. So understand, it, it made through, went through a lot of adjustments in the 70s, 80s, 90s, into the 2000s. But in 1954, the, the codes were, crime shall never be presented in such a way as to create sympathy for the criminal, to promote distrust of the forces of law and justice, or to inspire others with the desire to imitate criminals. Number two, if crime is depicted, it shall be as a sordid and unpleasant activity. Number three, Policemen, judges, government officials, and respected institutions shall never be presented in such a way to create disrespect for established authority. Number four, criminals shall not be presented so as to be rendered glamorous or to occupy a position which creates a desire for emulation. Five, in every instance, good shall triumph over evil and the criminal punished for his misdeeds. That's, that's an interesting one. Six, scenes of excessive violence shall be prohibited. Scenes of brutal torture, excessive and unnecessary knife and gunplay, physical agony, gory and gruesome crime shall be eliminated. 
Seven, no comic magazine shall use the words horror or terror in its title. Eight, all scenes of horror, excessive bloodshed, gory or gruesome crimes, depravity, lust, sadism, masochism shall not be permitted. All lord, unsavory, gruesome illustrations, illustrations shall be eliminated. Inclusion of stories dealing with evil shall be used or shall... I'm sorry. Inclusion of stories dealing with evil shall be used or shall be published only where the intent is to illustrate a moral issue and in no case shall evil be presented alluringly nor so as to injure the sensibilities of the reader. Scenes dealing with or instruments associated with walking dead, torture, vampires and vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and werewolfism are prohibited. Profanity, obscenity, smut, vulgarity, or words or symbols which have acquired undesirable meanings are forbidden. Nudity in any form is prohibited, as is indecent or undue exposure. Suggestive and salacious illustration or suggestive posture is unacceptable. Females shall be drawn realistically without exaggeration of any physical qualities. Illicit sex relations are neither to be hinted at nor portrayed. Rape scenes as well as sexual abnormalities are unacceptable. Seduction and rape shall never be shown or suggested. Sex perversion or any inference to same is strictly forbidden. Nudity with meretricious purpose and salacious postures shall not be permitted in the advertising of any product. Clothed figures shall never be presented in such a way as to be offensive or contrary to good taste or morals. So there you have it. That's the... That's the comic book code of 1954. So I stopped counting them because I, I got lost in the numbering. But uh, basically, if it had to do with crime, horror, nudity, um, salaciousness, uh, anything that was going to you know, make crime or bad people seem good was excluded. Uh, and if you look back at the comics of this era, 1954 through about 1970... You don't see a lot of a lot of things that you see later on. Uh, females were not drawn as busty uh, or low cut outfits or bikinis. Uh, you didn't see uh, crime was always bad, and, and the criminals were punished and taken away. Uh, it's a little strange in, in our sensibilities today to see that because we're bombarded by sexual images and nudity uh, all around us, or at least suggestion of nudity. Uh, policemen, judges are, are crooked in some sens- sensibilities. Uh, question of authority, that's what we do. <laughs> we do that on a constant basis. So uh, a lot of this really hammered home that we didn't want any – the Comic Book Association was saying we will not portray anything bad as a positive uh, because we're reaching kids. Now remember, comics in the 1950s were – Almost exclusively the purview of children. Um, so in that sense, you got to put that in perspective, that this existed to protect the children. Today, that wouldn't necessarily be the case. Children do read comic books, and there are children-specific comic books. But comic books today, I would say, have shifted more towards the 20-plus uh, age range for a lot of people. There's still teenagers reading them. Uh, but there's so many other things that keep your attention that comic books have really had to shift with the times. And what you find is you've got a lot of people who grew up in the 70s and 80s who are reading co- or still reading comic books, and the comic books have shifted as they've aged. So I don't know where this is going to lead us as the, this age group starts to become into 50s, 
60, 70 year old people, if they're still going to be your comic books, it's really going to be interesting to see where the comic uh, industry goes. So that's the history of the Comic Code Authority. And, and I want to point out, in 1970, there was a Spider-Man issue that was specifically directed by the U.S. government about drug use. Even so, the Comics Code Authority would not approve the issue where basically Spider-Man and Peter Parker are, are down on drugs and don't use drugs and one of his buddies gets gets hooked on heroin. And they wouldn't use it because it showed positive use of drugs. And even though it was it was condemned by the character... It just didn't get approved. So that was the first comic book since 1954 to be published without the Comic Code Authority, and it sold very well. Now, every every issue since then went right back to it. So it wasn't like it was an uh, ongoing thing. Um, some of the thoughts are in the 1980s, it started to loosen up a little bit. There was, Like I said, there was some uh, changes in the 60s and 70s to loosen it up a little bit. And you start to see in... Mid seventies, it starts to change dramatically. You start to see low cut tops on people. You see, starts to see see uh, shorter skirts on the women. Um, a little more violence. Originally, Captain America carried a gun, but in, in the nineteen forties, by the time he was revived in nineteen sixty one, he no longer had a gun. <laughs> so. It, it, it's amazing how things have changed, but you don't even think of Captain America as a gun. Now, if you saw the first Captain America movie, he did have a gun, but when he was revived, he hasn't used a gun since. So it's a little strange uh, to see that juxtaposition, but times change, people change. Now, one of the things was, if you remember me reading this, um, scenes dealing with or instruments associated with Walking Dead, torture, vampires and vampirism, ghouls, cannibalism, and werewolfism are prohibited. There was a gentleman in the 19, uh, what, what year was that? 1970. Uh, there was a writer named Marv Wolfman who worked for DC Comics, and he tried to publish a supernatural anthology called House of Secrets. Uh, actually, House of Secrets number 83 in January 1970. The book's host introduced the story the stuff dreams are made of as one told to him by a wandering wolfman. All capitals. Comics lettering made no distinction between Wolfman and Wolfman, whereas Capital Wolfman is a proper name, Wolfman is a lowercase name. So the gentleman's name was Marv Wolfman, and the Comics Code Authority rejected the story because his name was part of the comic, even though that was his name. So uh, they went to bat for him and basically got it approved if they had him say, this is my writer's name, and... DC started putting writers' credits uh, in the front page of the magazine from that point forward. So it changed some things. Uh, what also happened was there was underground comics in the 60s and 70s that were, if they were available today, they would be published on the internet. But at that time, they were sold in CD places because they most often dealt with sexual situations or dealt with things that were not approved by the Comics Code Authority. And they were where you went and got your dirty comic books uh, as they were. So it did, it did put an underground black market in, in effect for comics that tried to show the real world. And there's some stuff still available you can find, but it, it's crudely drawn. It's, it's salacious just to be salacious in many cases. It really wasn't good art. It wasn't good writing. It was just shock for the sake of shock, and that's really what you got. Um, 
the code was updated, like I said, 1971 and then into 1986. And basically, by 2001, Marvel had stopped using it. They'd stopped sending their stuff in. By 2010, there were three publishers left. By 2011, it was down to Archie Comics and DC. And Archie dropped it in 2011. And, and basically, DC was still sending their stuff in. Found out later that there was only one woman re- reviewing these things for the last two years, from 2009 to 2011. She was reviewing all the comic books and giving them approval. Uh, but after 2011, even DC stopped. So effectively, the CCA stopped functioning in 2011. There was nobody using it. There was nobody sending their comics in to be reviewed. It basically went kaput. Um, and you can see from the comics that have come since then, Marvel's done a uh, Max series that was really meant to be more of an adult line, a mature line. And they've gone to putting some of the some of the comic books companies, including Marvel, have put on T or T plus or sometimes MA for mature, like you see on on uh, TV shows now with the ratings. Sometimes they put them on and sometimes they don't. It just it's it's how they want to publish that book and that issue. And sometimes it's sometimes issue to issue you don't see it. You see it as a lot more in the mainstream stuff, the the max stuff or. Um, what you can probably tell from the covers is probably not uh, going to be teen-related or younger. It, they don't even bother putting it on. They just assume you know when you look at it. Um, so there's still it's still out there. I've put some links in the show notes I think will be very interesting. There's If you, if you just can't take the time to read, there's two links to read. Uh, there is a about a 12-minute video from a, a nerd sync who goes through the history of the Comics Code Authority and Touched on some of the things I spoke about here, but it's interesting because it was a period of time in our country's history when things were different. And it's a snapshot of the time period in which it was created, and it was loosened over time. And and it, it not necessarily a bad thing to have kept some mystery in what we're reading and what we're watching. Uh, the TV has gone through a shift as well. Things you would never have heard before on TV. You're hearing with regularity now, and you, you kind of go, whoa, I didn't expect to hear that on TV. This isn't HBO. This is ABC. Uh, so it's a time – it's from a bygone era, but it doesn't mean it was a bad thing. Maybe it was a little heavy-handed, but it was a moral outrage in a time when moral outrage actually meant something. And today, you know, I don't think you could come up with a CCA that was uh, instituted voluntarily – by by any industry, um, they'd have to be regulated and forced, like like the music industry was to put warnings on their music. Um, I don't think it's a bad thing for people to know that up front. Uh, if ch- people choose to still listen to it or read it or watch it, then they know going in this is what it is, and you can block certain things for your children. You have that right and you have that obligation to um, – keep your children from certain things that you don't want them to be involved with. So that was the CCA. There's a lot more you can go into it. It's, it's you know, 60-year history, 60-plus. 60 um, but it, it really is uh, a footnote in history at this point. So that's been the CCA. I hope you enjoyed that. I got a lot of questions about that because people were going back and looking at old issues and wondering what was this CCA and why isn't it still around, what happened. It just kind of faded out. And that, that's the long story. It, it, it was started with good intentions, and as time went on and, and morals changed, because you saw some of those 
restrictions were based on morals of the day. As the morals of the day changed, so did the standards by which they were written and eventually became no longer necessary or no longer desired uh, to be restricted. So there it is. Hope you enjoyed that. Please keep sending in your questions. I love to get your questions, your comments, so that I can um, tailor what you're looking for in these podcasts. I hope to see you next time. Uh, I'm Chad. Good night.